You're listening to The Other Side, a podcast designed to help people, regardless of their experience, figure out how to make that leap and thrive in the ever-changing and chaotic business world. I'm James Awana, a recent graduate who's trying to find his place in this crazy world. And I'm Renata Squario, a senior executive of 30 years, who's worked in some of Australia's largest organisations. And as my daughters grow up, I want this to be my legacy them and the next generation. The world of work is changing and I want to help them and you thrive on the other side. Welcome back to the Other Side podcast. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. As we promised, episode five is all around practicing doing a bit of a mock interview and I'm going to be the interviewer and James is going to be the interviewee and then we'll debrief some of the answers that James gives. Obviously, guys, we've prepared for this, so perhaps it's not as much off the cuff as some of our other episodes, but certainly this one we want to give you some real-life examples and then be able to debrief them with you over the podcast just to give you the reasons why and maybe some things that you can take away and try yourself as you proceed through interviews. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to ask some questions of James and then he's going to answer those questions in a way that he would have answered in some of the other interviews he's recently been through. And then we'll debrief with you by James telling you what happened uh, when he did answer in that way and he'll give you some insights as to how it might have changed the conversation. So I think we're going to have a little bit of fun but really we do want to give you a bit of a feel for it, uh, take you from the theory into the practice. And the second part of the podcast will spend talking about preparing for assessment centres or group interviews. They can be a lot of fun. And I know, James, it's very timely. You're preparing for one at the moment. You've got a group interview coming up. And so we've been talking quite a bit about how to prepare for those and how to be your best self in that environment. But more about that a bit later. Let's get going with our mock interview. Ready, James? Sure, as ready as I'll ever be. All right, awesome. All right, James, hello. Thank you so much for coming along today. We were very impressed by your video interview and your CV and cover letter, James. We felt it really told us quite a bit about you, but actually what we'd like to hear in person, James, is why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, it's lovely to be here. Um I love sport and dogs, but we'll go into the more important things. Uh, I suppose the four things you need to know about me is that I, first of all, I have an insatiable curiosity and, and that means that I love to learn and love the challenge of being given a task that I don't know how to do and teaching myself or having someone else teach me and, and really learning and developing. I kind of have a if I don't know it, why pay someone or get someone else to do it when I can learn how to do it? And then I know how to do it from now on. Kind of the uh, teach a man how to fish saying. One of my favourite sayings. Um, and, you know, with that love of learning, you need a work ethic. And as the son of an immigrant family or an uh, Im- immigrant parents, my my dad and mum have sort of have worked hard to have the life they have today you know coming here with the clothes on their back so from a young age I was you know that work ethic was instilled in me um more more or less visually more than you know words of affirmation or you know words to to tell me to work hard it's just 
seeing my mum and dad work long hours was was how it was instilled in me and uh you know it's part of me today is that work ethic and I'm really proud of it the other thing you need to know about me is one of my one of my top strengths is is honesty and and that means well first of all before I can be honest to someone else I need to be honest with myself and authentic to myself and and I'll never try to be someone that I'm not um, because of that honesty and it also means that when I talk to other people, they can trust the words that I'm saying and that when I say that I'll complete a task, that they believe me and they will not only, they, they will just expect that it will be done. And um, that's really important going into a workplace because um, it, it means that I, I can, um, it means that my words have value and, and that's really important in today's age. And, and last but definitely not least is is I just generally like to have um, fun, like to have a laugh and make other people laugh and, and make friends. You know, you're working with these people five days a week for eight or nine hours. You know, why turn it into something toxic when you can just, you know, have a laugh with these people and, and make, make them your friends and just generally enjoy yourself. You know, the work will be better and the work-life balance will be better. So a big part of my personality is just having a laugh and, and you know, being silly, if that's what it means. Thank you, James. All right, listeners, we might pause there. So, James, first of all, I'm assuming that you what you just answered was actually authentic and you actually recently had an interview and you answered in that way? Yeah, more or less. Um the big four points for me is that, sorry, the, the big point for me is I understand the four parts of the question that I'm going to answer that, that I have predetermined and that is love of learning, work ethic, honesty and uh, having a laugh. Um, and so I understand how I'm going to answer that question and that it's going to be based around those four points but I don't predetermine my answer so as to regurgitate it. So it's important for me to seem authentic when I'm saying it. So I have my four key points and then everything in between is, you know, eye contact and getting a feel for the room and, you know, if, if it's okay to slip in a joke there because the people across the table are, are enjoying your company, then go for it. Um, but it's more so that I can read the room and, and uh, maybe sometimes in an interview I'll think of something gold while I'm there and I don't want to predetermine my answers to, to limit myself, kind of like in school, you know, don't regurgitate, prepare for the prepare for the uh, the topic, not the question or something along those lines. I really like that, James. So thank you for your honesty. One of the things that we really talked about in episode two is this, this start of self-awareness and, and taking the time to work out your strengths and your derailers. So I think what you're telling our listeners is you've been able to take the work that you've done through developing knowledge of self, self-awareness, what your strengths are. You've been able to develop a story that you tell around yourself. You can anchor them to the four key things that you're always ready to talk about. You know yourself authentically. No one else knows you like you know yourself. And you're not going to come and regurgitate. But you do have the things that you're going to anchor to because they're who you are because you've done the work to develop that. Am I right? Absolutely. And heading into the strengths and weaknesses part of 
or the interview and this episode, I think the most important thing to remember is don't prepare for the interview. Well, the best way to prepare for an interview is not to prepare for the questions, but to truly and wholly understand yourself because you are telling your story. And so that becomes important when you get thrown a curveball question because you understand yourself and how that question, you know, after a bit of thought, as we've discussed, it's okay to take a pause. And you should actually, if you you answer too quickly, it looks like you've pre-prepared. Exactly. Um, But it'll mean that when you do answer that curveball question, that it is more of an answer than trying to stuff a different answer um, to a different question into that curveball question. And I guess, you know, the analogy I have of that is, as I previously quickly mentioned, was was school. Um, they kind of prepare you to... They prepare you to answer certain questions in the exam, but if you get thrown a curveball, you know, you just have predetermined regurgitated answers and you kind of end up tailoring your regurgitation to that curveball question as opposed to understanding what you're talking about wholeheartedly so you can adapt it to that curveball question. And let me give you an absolute example, just as you were talking, James. So my daughter, who I've mentioned in previous episodes, is in year 12 this year. Last year, she sat the psychology exam. And, you know, from all accounts, it was one of the most difficult exams that they'd had in about five years. The difficulty was that there were lots of curveball questions in there. And interestingly, my daughter is not a rote learner. So she spent a lot of time becoming familiar with the subject matter and making it her own. And she'd work out what she really felt about the different areas of study within psychology and she worked it out for herself. And it'd be, it was actually really enjoy um, a big enjoyment for me when we would talk about the things that she was learning about because I could see she was passionate about it. Anyway, long story short, she actually did the best out of all of her friends in the exam because she understood the subject matter. She had not pre-prepared all of her friends that had done 110 exams and had pre-prepared answers for every single question that could have been asked actually did not as well as her in the exam. So that is an exact example, hot off the press last year, of how that actually came came to play. Yeah, same thing happened to me in my English exam and I just buckled under it. So I've made a point since then to to not regurgitate but to understand. But, you know, that's another topic for another day. Yeah, absolutely. We should get back on track. Okay. Let's do the second question of our mock interview. Now I'm wearing my uh, interviewer hat again, listeners. Thanks for that answer, James. That was fantastic. I just wonder, therefore, if you could tell us what your key development areas are. You talked a bit about what your strengths are, what you're good at, what you're passionate about. What do you see as your key development areas? Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, it's been quite a, a journey over this period of finding a job, of, of really understanding my strengths and and also, you know, really working and understanding and working on my weaknesses and um, or, or areas that I need to improve on. And uh, something that I've found is, as I, um, as I previously mentioned, a big part of me is, is honesty and another key strength of mine is fairness. And what that means, um, as I have previously said, is that my word, I'd like to think, means something. And and when I say that I will do something, that is my commitment to that project or that task. 
And what that occasionally does mean is that when when I have said that I will complete said task, uh, I occasionally become you know infatuated with it, obsessed with it almost and you know I need to finish it to the best of my ability as soon as possible because that's all I can think of and I can't um, work on or, or think about another project until this this current one is done and and um, it means that occasionally that I will work longer or you know, will will not be able to focus on another project or I will neglect my mental health. Um, it's something that I'm working on is is being able to to let go and and to understand that I will get it done to the best of my ability and it doesn't need to be done now that there are other important things. And so that's something that I've been working on. Uh, another thing that um, I've discovered was that uh, leadership isn't necessarily a position that I have, that I um, exclusively look for, um, for lack of a better term. It, it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy being a leadership or I don't possess the skills to be a good leader. But what it does mean is that I consider myself a team player and I won't look for positions of leadership unless that the um, the situation requires me to step up to the plate and be a leader, in which case I'm more than happy to be a leader, but I don't always go for that leadership position. I, I'm just as happy to, to be a team player, um, to lead by example. That's probably the my favorite way of leadership is is just you know working hard and and letting others know that I'm all in on the project so you know uh, it's something that I again am working on is recognizing when I need to step up as a leader and and taking it and not being timid about it and and you know doing the best job that I can and and lastly and very quickly and another thing that I'm working on is is showing gratitude in a way that other people understand. So typically for me, gratitude is thank you for the opportunity and now I'm going to work really hard to show you that I am grateful for the opportunity. Whereas some people need an outward express of gratitude, i.e. flowers or dinner or thank you so much for this opportunity. So I'm really working hard to recognize when other people need that and to, to do it for them um, and also understand that my natural way of showing gratitude is to take that opportunity and work really hard. All right, listeners. Wow, that was pretty impressive. Thank you, James. Again, I'm assuming that that actually has, is hot off the press the way that you have answered a recent interview question along those lines. Um, more or less. It's been in development uh, for the best part of a month. Um, but actually my last interview, they didn't really ask me about my derailers or areas of development. So I didn't have a chance to test out the new spiel, if you will. But, but if they were to ask you, you would have been ready. And a lot of interviewers do ask that because yeah. for me as an interviewer, I will always ask that question because it indicates a person's self-awareness and their ability to actually be vulnerable and in an interview talk about the things that they are not so great at but be able to 
I guess, explain what they're doing about it. And what I really liked, James, and I guess the listeners will probably also know we've been practising the answers to those questions together, is you were able you were able to weave in strengths as well. So that was really clever and that's what we've been working on is, for example, your the one you used about you are very honest, but as a result your honesty overdone can become a bit obsessive because you sort of have – because you're so honest, you feel like if I don't deliver this, I'm being dishonest to the person and myself – what I liked about your answer is you first led with what is your strength, that is honesty. So it gives you another opportunity to tell the interviewer something positive, subliminally or not, and then you followed up with the self-awareness of how that can derail you. That is, for me personally as an interviewer, when I hear things like that, I find that I really, really like those answers and it gives that person answering the question the edge as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but it, it – Something that I learn is it's not just about saying I'm too honest, you know, and sometimes people don't believe me. It, it's more than that. It's like how does the combination of, in my case, honesty and fairness and telling someone that I'll complete the task, it's relating that back to the potential workplace that you might be working in and not just saying, well, you know, sometimes I'm too honest because that's a strength of mine and, and I don't know, people can take it or leave it if they want. Mm. So the only thing I'd say, uh, feedback in the moment for you, James, because this is a mock interview, is I probably wouldn't have gone all three. I would have probably chosen two out of the three that you gave. So given honesty and one other or uh, gratitude and one other. And then just in terms of your gratitude one, I think I would have completed it a bit more with sometimes because I don't need to be given gratitude – I therefore don't uh, recognise the importance of others who may need it. And so I would have probably said that because you don't need it as much, you don't give it as much, but sometimes people feel like you don't recognise what they're doing or they feel unseen or not recognised by you. So I would have just rounded off that answer, just tweaked it slightly. But, yeah, well done. That's awesome. It's nice. I feel proud hearing back the way you're answering these things. All right, one more question. Back with my interviewer hat on, listeners. James, can you give me an example of when you've had difficulty working with other people and what did you do to overcome that difficulty? And I think it's very important for us. We do a lot of collaborative work here, James. We're an agile organisation. We do a lot of collaboration and we're doing more and more of that in terms of the way we solve customer problems. And so it's very important to work in teams here, James. Just need to know when it is that you found it difficult to work in teams, and what did you do to over overcome it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be completely honest, I haven't had a lot of exposure or experience in the workforce, and therefore, you know, my opportunities, if you will, to work with people um, where we don't see eye to eye or have problems have hasn't really arisen in the workplace yet. Um, the, my old work place, and I won't use a name in this, but yep, at my old workplace, it was a office of, you know, four, five, six, and we all got along really well because we all loved the Thursday quiz in, in the Herald Sun and we loved sport and, uh, it was a sport department ish. So we always just, we just got along really well. So I haven't really had the 
the misfortune, if you will, of having people who I've disagreed with. In saying that, I have played a lot of sport and uh, a particular example is that at my old club, my we from my first season to the second season, we had a differing coach. And unfortunately, the coach didn't really like me and didn't really play me even though the year before I had performed really well under the the new co- uh, the old coach and was was young and still had a lot to develop and um, I thought that I had a bright future at the club and in general so it was a really it really made me crash down to earth to 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 suddenly have a coach who just didn't like me didn't want to play me and it was a new experience for me um so what ended up happening was I just took it on the chin and used it as, a, as an opportunity to work harder, to prove my value to that person. And at the end of the day, if they didn't value me, didn't see value in me, that I had done everything within my power to overcome that difference of opinion. And I always made sure to be to go to training, never took it personally because at the end of the day it's just a sport and did whatever it I could to change his opinion. And if he didn't end up playing me, which he didn't, then that's fine. I know in myself that I did whatever it took to, to do to change his opinion. And, you know, I didn't have to stay there at the end of the season. I could go somewhere else. But I never quit or took the easy way out, complained. I just took it as an opportunity to work hard and and prove my worth, if not to him, to myself. All right, listeners, I think you'll agree. That was awesome. And by the way, even though I said that James and I had prepared uh, some questions, that one was uh, a curveball. I didn't actually tell James I was going to ask that question. So well done you. That was a really great answer and, I, uh, yeah, impressive again. It came up in an interview late last year, I think, and and me and my mum had sort of prepared that question before, so I was able to think think back on that that preparation and that question and, and use my experience from that one. There you go, listeners. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Be ready. Not write, learn style, but just, you know, know enough to be able to reference things when things like that come and you didn't expect them. So, yeah, well done, James. I think that, you know, the, the summary there is you didn't really have a good example of a work situation where you didn't get along with your team. And, in fact, you're lucky enough to have had the work uh, example of where you did get along and, and the great engagement that you got from working in a team like that. But I thought throwing in that sports analogy was fantastic. I just want to pause and say, uh, listeners, that poor James has got a cold, but he's so committed to this podcast and and, and getting this out as soon as possible. So you're uh, really struggling over there, James, but thank you so much. You, you're just doing a stellar performance. Thankfully, they can't see me. <laughs> With your red nose. It's so funny. All right, one last question and then we'll move on to assessment centres. Wearing my interviewer hat again. James, I'm really interested in what brings you to this organisation and why are you keen to work here? Actually, listeners, I might pause there and say uh, the question is probably lacking context because obviously this is not a real interview and I'm not really uh, from, from a company. 
So I think instead what James and I might do is to talk to you about how you could possibly answer a question like that. It's a really important question. If you get asked this question in an interview, the reason why it's being asked is the person uh, interviewing or the employer that's looking to bring you on wants to understand why you're coming to work there. And in this very dynamic, changing world of work, it's really important in terms of being able to service customers and and give customers delight, which is what all companies are trying to do. What's really important is the employees of that company understand what that company offers and are highly engaged in delivering to the purpose of the company. So if you get asked that question in an interview, that interviewer is trying to work out, do you get the purpose of the company and are you a good fit? Will you be engaged in delivering to that company's purpose. So it's very, very important to be prepared for a question. James, I know you were asked this question not long ago. How did you answer or how did you prepare? Yeah, so for this particular interview, I you know, found a bunch of stuff on their company in, in forums and read as many news articles as I could. They were a emerging and growing company, so... You know, there was a lot of talk about where they're investing and I just made it a point to memorize almost everything I could about their company. And, you know, they were quite taken aback that I knew so much about their company, where they were at, where they were going in the future. I made some some points, asked some questions about um, the the things that I had researched and, you know, they were, they were quite... They actually said that they were quite impressed that I knew so much, so... For me, this is this is where you can show that you really have researched the company and more importantly, how you fit into the company. And as Renata quite rightly said, how your values interline. I think that's the right word. Interlock, interlink, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's important to show that you've done your research, that it's not, you know, I want this job because of money and this is a really good company. That Even though maybe you are looking for a pay or money yeah, is of, important, it keeps us in the life we want to live. Of course, but it, it's more than, it's more than you know, this is just a great company. It's where you can show that you've gone that extra mile in preparing for the interview and that you really see yourself at the company as well. And it's, it's how the, in my opinion, it's how the interviewer knows or gets a feel whether you will buy into their culture maybe or into their company. And I think on the two interviews that I've gone away and thought, yeah, that was really good. You know, this was one of the differentiators in the questions. Like, sure, we had a good conversation and a good interview, but, you know, when I really started to see myself and you know they could see that I was buying into their questions their company and and their values I think that's really important James thanks it's just such a a nice way to have put it to to our listeners it is very important that you link your story to the information that you're doing the research on because if you just come and sort of wrote learn and regurgitate back to the to the interviewer around the company, I mean, they know all of those facts. And whilst they might be impressed that you've gone and done the homework, what will be 10 times more impressive is if you can weave your story in with their story and really show them why you would be a good fit 
in the very company that they are in, the purpose that they are there to serve, and just be able to say or show how you will fit in. That's very, very important because what that indicates to them is you're passionate, you want to be there, you're going to stay there. Back to the money thing. If you're talking about something which indicates you're really only there for the salary, what an employer is thinking is the very next job that comes up where you're going to get a better salary, you're going to run towards that job. The loyalty won't necessarily be there. So I think it's a balance. You have to present a balance when you answer questions and being able to answer it in a way that tells them why you're coming, why you're passionate about what they're doing and how you fit in. That's very, very powerful in interviews. All right, well, look, I think one more thing that I just wanted to explore with you. Again, I won't ask the question because it's a bit inauthentic, but if you get get asked a question in interviews, which you will, and that question is, do you have any questions of us? That's another really great opportunity for you to shine. James, again, I, I wouldn't mind you sharing with our listeners the way that you've navigated a question like that in the past. Yeah, of course. Um so the two inter- or the couple interviews where I've I've felt most comfortable and at the end I've asked questions that the interviewers have ended up talking for like 10 15 minutes on the questions that I asked. What what happened was so in the first instance that I can remember I took the knowledge that I had te- uh, used for the question we just talked about you know what do you know about our company or tell us why you want to work here. And I formulated a question about that. So it was something on the lines of, um, I understand you're investing in this part of your company. Um, What does that mean for the future? And then they kind of were really happy to talk about what they're doing with their company and like the direction of their company and how their investments are changing the game in in their field. And that talk went for about 15 minutes alone. So that was... That was really good. But the two things, the two questions from my recent interviews that have really, I thought, really put me in good stead was I understood the feel, the vibe, to use a word from the castle, of um, of what they were trying to get from the new employee, i.e. potentially me. And... One company used family. So I navigated that question around family and they, they're asking me if I am going to be a, a part of their culture. So it's my turn to also ask them if I, it, how family looks for them in that instance and what the culture looks like in the company. And what that does, it's, is it allows them to understand that I'm looking for a good culture uh, culture in a company and that I'm more than just money. And it also allows you as the interviewee to get a feel whether you actually want to work there. you know. Because if, if you get the vibe that it's going to be toxic, I mean, despite the money, personally, I wouldn't take the job so it allows you to understand what culture you're walking into and also them to understand that it's more than money for you. And what I really love about that as well, James, is you're almost testing their authenticity. So if they're coming across or giving you a vibe, to use your word, 
that, you know, they're all about family. But when you asked us, when you ask a specific question to say, well, actually, one of the questions I have is how does family look every day in this organisation? If they actually can't answer that question in an authentic way, you know that it's all talk, that what they put out there in their job ad and the way that they're sort of the, the tone that they're recruiting in is actually not true to who they truly are. And I'm with you, I'd be heading for the hills in that scenario. That's probably one job that it wouldn't be too sad not to get. But, yeah, I really like the way you framed both of those things, James, is use the opportunity to to get the interviewer talking passionately, passionately around the organisation. And what that does is it gives them a feel-good vibe, one, around the interview, and it leaves a really positive thought in their mind around you as a candidate you know, it's all about psychology, guys. It's all about positive psychology. And if you're leaving the interviewer with a warm, fuzzy feeling, they're going to remember you in that light versus someone who they're thinking, oh, my God, they're so boring. They don't know who they are. and They're definitely not going to fit here. They're not the people that are going to get the job. So, wow. We've covered a lot of ground, haven't we, James? That's been a marathon, that one, that episode. Well, I think we were going to cover assessment centres, but we're probably – we're probably at the limit of what we set out to, to do per episode. So we might defer assessment centres to the next episode, I think, shall we? Sounds good. Well, listeners, as we close the curtains on yet another awesome episode, it's time we do a little summary before we wrap up the show. To really be ready for an interview, you need to know yourself truly and wholly because this will help you talk about yourself and your story really authentically. It'll also help you deal with curveball questions that you just weren't prepared for. Understand that whilst my answers were generally broad and vague, make sure to talk about your experience and how your personality and that experience fits in with the company. Don't be afraid to take pauses and really consider the question before answering it. When preparing for an interview, write down stories that show different skills to the interviewer. For example, have a prepared story for a time that you showed initiative or a time where you dealt with a conflict. Don't have an interview persona and don't give answers that you think the interviewer wants to hear. It's actually much easier to just be yourself and be honest and there will be much better answers than anything else you could do. Make sure you research the company extensively because it will help you link your story to the company and show them how you fit in. It'll also better equip you to tell them why you're really passionate about what they're doing at the company. All right, listeners, well, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the Other Side podcast. James and I have had the immense pleasure to spend another 30 minutes, I think, with you guys sharing some stories, sharing some ideas. Hopefully you've got something out of this that you can take away, practice and apply. So we'll leave you with that, listeners, and we look forward to debriefing an approach to the dreaded assessment centre group interviews in the next episode. So until then, see you later. Catch ya.